Well, thanks again for being here today on this beautiful spring Sunday. It's good to be in week three of our series, and we're going through the Lord's Prayer, a series called Praying with Jesus. And so what we'll do is uh, we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together as we get started here. That'll be our text, is the red letters out of Matthew 6 that Jesus gave us. So what I'll do is I'll invite you to pray these words with me, and then I'll pray as we get started and we'll jump in. So join me together in praying the words that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you. As the preacher, I need you to settle my heart today, Lord. I need you to give me your word from on high. Let me get out of the way and speak, Lord, speak, Lord, speak, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I pray that you would open the hearts of the hearers. You'd soften our hearts, that you'd open our ears and open our eyes to see. Lord, if we've come here today to be entertained by a nice little tricky talk, we have wasted our time. We've come here today because we believe that from of old, you are the God who speaks. So speak again. (laughs) Do it again, we pray, Lord. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And I pray these things today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. amen. The prayer we just prayed, the Lord's Prayer, is the prayer that has been heard round the world. As a 38-year-old man, I'm thinking back through my history of praying this prayer. I can remember praying this prayer in uh, rural villages in Asia with subsistence farmers who pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. They pray, give us this day our daily bread, and they're praying it literally. Father, provide for us. I've prayed this prayer under the hot Middle Eastern sun all over the Middle East with believers who are serving in underground churches and they go to worship every day in fear of of losing their lives, but they say, you know what, Jesus knows what to do about death, so if we get killed worshiping, so be it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I've prayed this prayer across Africa. I've prayed it in, in the vineyards of Stellenbosch and I've prayed it in townships, impoverished townships, on the outskirts of South Africa. I've prayed this prayer in el nombre del Padre y del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo in the mountains of Central America with people who are just, they're just fighting through and, and the cartels are passing through and they're asking our Father in heaven, protect us, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. I've prayed this prayer in America's inner city. I've prayed this prayer on rural farms. And and these words have changed the world. And I think if we'll submit to them and if we'll let them get deep down into our bones and deep down into our spirits, these words will transform us. Today we're looking at the phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth 
as it is in heaven. And what, what I want you to see today is three things that this section of the Lord's Prayer calls us to. The first is it calls us to pray for God's reign. Thy kingdom come is governmental language. Kingdom. Let your reign, let your rule, let your lordship, let the goodness of your kingdom descend among us in these darkened streets, in the weary world. Let it rejoice because the Lord's kingdom has come among us, thy kingdom. To say thy kingdom is to say that there is also a king. And he has an opinion about the way the world works. He's got a justice that he has set up. He's got righteousness that he has set up. He's got a founding document that he's given us, his words to live by. But we see that in this kingdom ruled by this king that there's a, a coup, an attempted coup afoot. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the God of this age, the devil himself, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. What Paul wants us to see is that there's opposition, that someone else is jockeying for power, that the kingdom of God is a contested space. We see that there's a coup afoot. And Paul prays that the eyes of unbelievers and the eyes of believers would be opened that we would see the king in all of his glory and submit to his lordship. And Jesus teaches us in this prayer to pray, thy kingdom come. Come transform this space, God. Be who you are. Do what you do. Run the world the way you see fit. Make your home among us and drive out every bit of chaos that is keeping your kingdom at bay. To throw your hands open and say, thy kingdom come is to welcome the reign of God in all its particularity. The scripture shows us who God is and what he's like. And while God is unsearchable and unending in, in, his, in his beauty, we'll never pin God down. But there's a lot that we know about him. Scripture tells us that he is the powerful one, that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that he's the bright and morning star, that he's the one, as I said, who said, let there be and there was. The God of all eternity past has stepped into our story and he's enthroned above the cherubim and his mercy never fails. And God is the one who dwells in the beauty of his holiness and the holiness of his beauty. He's the one that we just read today. He's the all-consuming fire. He's powerful. But what we also see is that God is tender and compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He's good to all. We see Jesus who is God, a very God, God made flesh dwelling among us. And he comes and he sees a woman caught in adultery and the, the, the residents of the town want to stone her because that's what the law prescribes. And Jesus swoops down and he, he draws in the dirt. He meets her on her level. He says, woman, where are your accusers? Now go and sin no more. This is the God who, who, who spoke the world into being and who is powerful and who's enthroned on high, who also stoops down to the lowly and the needy. And Isaiah tells us this in Isaiah 57. We see the beautiful marriage of these two attributes. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. He says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To, rev to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart 
of the contract. You see these two coming together, the power of God and the mercy of God. And in fact, his power is shown in his mercy. <laughs> coming together in one what I got two little boys we've got Lillian she's 13 almost 14 and she could run a small third world country she's very organized and she's wise and she's got her money right and she tells the boys what to do because she knows because she's obedient and they aren't and yeah so firstborn woman leader got an opinion, knows how to get it done. And then two boys that are 11 and nine, Wilson and Wakely, and they're stallions and they're athletes and they play hard and, and they're, but everything with them is a competition. And, you know, they're, they're right next to each other in age and so they're throwing elbows and they're wrestling and everything's competition. It wasn't long ago that they came down for breakfast the other morning and, and they said, we want some chocolate milk. Ah, they're ravenous, you know. Oh, chocolate milk or I'm gonna, you know. So I get them the chocolate milk and I slide the, the, the two cups, uh, glasses across the counter and they're sitting next to each other on tabletop, you know, chairs and, and they start measuring who has more. <laughs> and Wilson slides his cup up next to Wakely, the younger one, and Wilson's got like an eighth of an ounce more and he's going, yeah. ah! You know, it's 7 a.m. and he's competing about chocolate milk that someone else poured. We've got the little over-the-door basketball hoop, you know, up in the game room that you dunk on and you shatter the glass. And, and they're playing all the time and they've jacked up the drywall and the paint's all scuffed up upstairs and it's the best money we ever spent on that room because it's a place for them to go get the wiggles out in the middle of winter. And they're up there dunking on each other, 11 and 9-year-olds screaming and pounding their chest and their shirts are off and their chests are red because they've been punching themselves. Ah, everything's a competition. Little finger football, you know, and they see who can, you know, flick it farther. And they, ah, everything is a competition. Ever been around little boys? The kingdoms of the earth are very much like that. The kingdoms of the earth are playing a zero-sum game where someone has to lose for someone else to win. <laughs> Have you ever noticed this? The nations rising up against nations. We got the Russians against the Ukrainians and the Ukrainians against the Russians and, and may the, the strongest win. We've got the, the Isra Israelis against the Palestinians and the Palestinians against the Isra Israelis. We've got the Pakistanis against the Indians and the Indians against the Pakistanis. We've got the, the Chinese against the Tibetans and the Tibetans against the Chinese. We've got whites against blacks and blacks against whites and rich against poor and poor against rich and educated against uneducated. And we've got Democrats against... Have you ever seen this in the world we live in? Someone has to lose for someone else to win. Our blood races and we want, to, we want to know how strong we are and we measure ourselves against other people who are weaker and, and if someone's got to get stepped on so I can rise to the top, so be it. That's just the rules that we've got to play by. In the kingdoms of the earth, it's a zero-sum game where someone has to lose for another person to win. But the reign of God is the one realm where everyone can thrive. The reign of God, thy kingdom Come, thy will be done. Do it your way down here. As above, so below. Whatever's in your heart, get it in the streets down here. God, we pray your kingdom come. And in God himself, we see that he's the one. There is no scarcity in him. We, we fight each other and we have this unholy competition because we, we're afraid that, 
that there's scarcity, that there are limited resources, that God can really only be my father and then his father, his fatherliness is exhausted and other people can't. Do you see the battle back and forth? But in the reign of God, it's the one realm where everyone can thrive. And so we wake up every day and we say, Lord, your kingdom come and give me eyes to see and give me a soft heart to participate in your rulership. You help me to be a, a little micro Lord in the world that you've created to be a blessing everywhere I go. And Lord, if someone's got to give today, let it be me first. <laughs> let me go show the world what the kingdom of God is like by taking up my cross and denying myself and climbing my own Calvary first. If other people need to win, I'll be the one to go first. Here you go. When we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we're inviting God's reign on the earth as it is in heaven. The second thing I want you to see from this section of the Lord's Prayer is it calls for our Repentance, God's reign first. Second, our repentance. If you pay attention to Genesis chapter three, we, we know one and two, and he saw that it was good, and he saw that it was good, and he saw that it was good and beautiful, and let there be, and all the good stuff. Genesis three is, here's, I'll summarize the story. Adam and Eve go, my kingdom come. You know that's what's happening in the Garden of Eden. There's, there's, there's this whole garden, beautiful story God has given them. And, and, and be fruitful and multiply, do your thing, go for it, it's yours, I've blessed you. But they go to the one thing God told them to stay away from and they say, God, thank you for all your goodness up to this point, but go ahead and move to the periphery, my kingdom come, my will be done, my will on the earth. That's what happens in Genesis chapter three. And so what happens is God sends the prophets, the great prophets of Israel, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and on and on it goes and Amos and Malachi. And what they're saying is repent because a world that is animated by my kingdom come, my will be done is a world of endless chaos. And so they, they sweep out into the wilderness, these prophets, and they say, repent and be baptized, come near, for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist comes, the cousin of Jesus. And John says, repent, in Matthew 3, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It has come near you. It's time. God is going to change the my kingdom come and turn it back into the goodness that he created. And John says every valley will be raised up and every mountain will be brought low and every crooked place will be made straight and every rough place will be smoothed out and the glory of the Lord will be revealed in all the earth and all flesh shall see it together. Repent and be baptized. And Jesus shows up in Matthew chapter four, the next chapter and says what he said. Listen to my cousin. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. To pray, I want, I want you to see this. To pray, thy kingdom come is also to say, my kingdom yours. To pray, thy kingdom come is to say, my kingdom yours. Now, I wrote my first version of this sermon earlier in the week, and I, what I like to do is write it and then kind of put it in the crock pot. You know, let it sit, let it simmer, let it develop for a few days and pray on it and think on it. And this one point, as I got to this point in the sermon, it just didn't feel right. Something was missing. And we preachers, we like a nice little turn of phrase, a punchy aphorism or a pithy statement because people can take it home, right? So what I originally wrote was to pray thy kingdom come is also to say my kingdom go. And that sounded good to me at first, you know, come, go, come, the nice back and forth there, but it just didn't 
feel right. And I was talking to Andrew Arndt this weekend, and we were kicking this around because saying, Andrew, I'm kind of stuck here. And, and what, what we came up with is to say, thy kingdom come is also to say my kingdom yours because the reality is all of us have little kingdoms. And that's good. That's really good. Very often as Christians, we sort of, we, we, we kind of kowtow and we, we, we adopt this sort of false poverty mindset as, as if to serve God means that we just lose ourselves and there's, we don't have any opinions and we aren't really energized about anything and we're not really supposed to create anything. And what we do is we collapse inward and we actually fail to exercise the image of God that has been placed in us. Because to be made in God's image is to go create. The creator God made us to be creators. Some of you have businesses and you employ people and you see about how to create opportunities and that is the blessing of God. That is the image of God coming through you. God has given you power. What did he tell Adam and Eve in the garden? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and every place you set your foot, Abraham and Sarah, I give it to you to possess. Go make something of this world and so when we turn inward and we say your kingdom come and my kingdom go it's actually an abdication of our responsibility we're supposed to shake it up out there we're supposed to make the world better we're supposed to have dreams and visions and create opportunities for other people so that we can change God's world I'm looking at my friends the Woodhouses over here they've been in the military for over 30 years both of them God has given them kingdoms he's given them authority he's given them power and they don't say whatever my kingdom go they say my kingdom yours God I'm looking at people who school teachers you lead classrooms and God's given you 25 children to mark for eternity the job for you is not to go my kingdom go the job for you is to say, my kingdom, yours. And these 25 kids on my watch are gonna get the best care. They're gonna get the best education. I'm gonna pray for them when I'm at home. I'm gonna lay hands on them and speak the blessing of God over them. My kingdom, yours. <laughs> we aren't supposed to bow down and walk away and get all precious and all soft and be these doormats in the kingdom of God. No, we say, God, thank you for the power. Thank you for the creativity. Thank you for the authority. And now I throw it up to be subsumed into the all pervasiveness of your kingdom. And so your kingdom come through my little kingdom and your will be done through my little kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. Can you say amen, church? This is a struggle for all of us because many of us insist on having control. I, I, can't, I can't turn it over. God made me the CEO. God made me the one with the, no, uh, so we get protective and, and, and we cling tight to the outcomes and we want to ensure the world works our way and we're afraid to trust and we're afraid to open ourselves up and we're nervous about throwing ourselves onto the mercy of God. There's a builder here in our church that's been in the city for three decades, knocking it down. Developing Colorado Springs from south to north, he's been a part of the whole sweep of the city. And, and everywhere you look, if, if you got in his truck and drove around with him, he could say, and then this one, and then that one. And I remember when that was a cow pasture. And I remember when that was this. And I remember, that when, and now it's this flourishing, bustling, beautiful place. Why? Because he said, my kingdom, God's given me a kingdom and it better be excellent and I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna pay my people on time and I'm gonna be, my yes is gonna be yes and my no is gonna be no. But he came to us a couple years ago and he said, I've set this project aside over here. It's a, it's a good sized project and everything that comes in on that is going to go to take care of people at Mary's home. How in the world does someone do that? that 
In a world of self-protectionism, in a world where someone has to lose for me to win, we see someone come along, and, and I could tell story after story in this room, men and women, young and old, of people who said, my kingdom, yours. It's yours, God, have your way. Do whatever you want. You've given me power. You've given me authority. And now I yield it back to you. And when people live that way, get ready to live. The kingdom of God comes and the will of God is done on the earth as it is in heaven. C.S. Lewis, one of the great thinkers of our age, was writing many years ago and he said, there are two kinds of people. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Think about this. I want you to work with me here. There are only kind, two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, thy will be done. People who go willingly, yes, thy will be done, and people who after years and years of self-protectionism, and people who go, my kingdom come, and my will be done, and God, I don't trust you, my kingdom is mine, and, and my money is mine, and my, my authority is mine, and my power is mine, I've gotta protect it, I've gotta get all I can, and can all I get, and sock it away for a rainy day, and people who insulate themselves, God is always coming and saying, hey, you know the abundance is over here. You know, the joy is over here, right? Like, you think that if you collapse over your possessions, you're gonna have what you need? I'm here to tell you that blessed are those who give, and blessed are those who are merciful, and blessed are those who are open-hearted, and blessed who are those who live with their eyes wide open. God is always tapping on our hearts, trying to lure us away from falling in love with our little kingdoms. But C.S. Lewis says, in the end, those people who resist, God finally says, thy will be done. Scary, sobering, tremble. You see, that's, that's hell on earth. I want, I want you to see that hell is what happens when we desperately clutch onto our little kingdoms. Mine, self-protectionism. That's hell on earth and it leads right into hell. It's just the natural progression. And, and so C.S. Lewis says, be the person who says from the very beginning, my, my kingdom is yours. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth. To pray thy kingdom come is to repent. To pray thy kingdom come is to open your heart. To pray thy kingdom come is to be transformed from the inside out. And when we live this way, the third thing happens. The third thing that we see from this section of the Lord's Prayer is that it turns into the world's renewal. We start with inviting God's reign on the earth. God, Thy kingdom come. And then we repent. Our repentance comes in. And we, we go, Lord, uh, tr transform my heart and make me someone who comes into alignment with your kingdom and with your ways and with your values and with your principles and with your generosity. And what happens when the people of God live that way is the world begins to be renewed. I live out on some land with, with uh, my sister and brother-in-law and another family. We've got some cows out there, some animals, and, and some chickens and some goats and some pigs. And, and, and for the last eight weeks, it's been muddy season, like nasty, muddy, all the melt, the winter melt, the snow. We get a lot of snow out there. It's starting to run off, and everywhere you step, it's just, you know, it's just mud everywhere. And the, the dogs and the children are bringing it in the house. We rebuke that mud, but it just keeps coming, you know. We cast it out and it finds its way back in. Muddy season out on land is crazy. But you know what's happening just this week? The place is turning green. 
After all the runoff, all, all the snow melt, all the mud, all the nastiness, if you can just, what I've learned in living out there through the years is if you can just make it through that moment, the earth starts to rejoice. The earth starts to be renewed. The trees are springing up and the migratory birds are coming through. And we've got geese coming through and we've got animals rejoicing and the green is popping up. And the psalmist said in Psalm 97 verse 1, the Lord reigns so let the earth be glad. <laughs> The Lord reigns, so let the distant shores rejoice. That when God's kingdom moves in, things start springing to life. When God's kingdom moves in, joy breaks out. When we live with mercy and compassion, people sing and dance, and children rise up and show us what it looks like. Brothers and sisters, when the Lord reigns, the earth rejoices. We invite God's reign on the earth and we enter into our own repentance, but we, we finally will see the earth's renewal when we live this way and invite the kingdom of God to come on the earth as it is in heaven. One final thing I want you to see here is that I, as you pray the Lord's Prayer, I want you to imagine yourself praying it with a rope in your hands. What are you talking about, Daniel? Okay, over here on the timeline of chronology, human history, right? Over here, just imagine this is the, the sweep of history. Over here is God said, let there be light, and there was. Then Genesis 3, and then the prophets came, repent and be baptized, come home, and then Jesus shows up right here in the middle of history, and he's crucified, and he's buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, and on the third day, he rises again and ascends to the right hand of the Father, where he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and we're waiting for the kingdom that has no end. This is the end of history. And what we know is out here in the end of history, when Jesus finally comes, the will of God will come and the will of God will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And Revelation 21, one through five says, and in that day there will be no more tears and there will be no more sorrow and there will be no more mourning and there will be no more death. There will be no more funeral homes. There will be no more hospitals. There will be no more police officers needed. Why? Because the kingdom of God will come. Peace will be sorted out. The earth will be healed. But here we are right here in the middle of history with the little kingdoms that we've been given with the chaos that we're living in. And so when we take this prayer up on our lips, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven, I want you to imagine yourself pulling God's glorious future into the inglorious present. A lady came up to me after the first service and she said, you know, I was there the first day the women's clinic, Dream, Simmer, Dream Center's women's clinic opened up, I think seven years ago. She said, I was there. I helped cut the ribbon and we were all excited and we were cheering and I was a volunteer and God, we were blessed at that moment. But she said, you know, here I am seven years later and I'm fighting cancer. We lost our insurance and I don't have anything. She said, last week I went to the Dream Center's women's clinic and they gave me the medication that I needed and they gave it to me for free. They prayed for me, they stood with me. She said it was incredibly humbling and I remember the day of the ribbon cutting and I was, I was, my life was strong at that moment. But here I am seven years later and my life is in a weak spot and I walked in and she said, you know what, everything that I needed was there. And what we're doing as a church when we give to this stuff, when we labor like this, we're saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth right here. We know what's coming in the future and we cannot wait for that day. Oh, Maranatha, God, come quickly. But here we are. 
And there are people without insurance who are struggling with cancer and they need medication. And we say, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're pulling God's glorious future into the inglorious present. Why do we drill wells in Central America? Because we know one day there will be no children that are thirsty. We know one day there will be no waterborne illnesses decimating entire regions. Can we change the whole world as New Life Church? No, but can we change a little village in Central America? You bet we can. And so we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And God, would you bring your glorious future into the inglorious present? God, we need you. Why do we go into nursing homes in a global pandemic? Because people are desperately lonely. And we go in and we, we hold their hand and we pray the Lord's prayer over them and we take them handwritten cards from children in the church and these 92-year-old women open up these little cards that have pictures drawn by little children they've never met and joy springs up in their heart. Can we change the whole world? Absolutely not, but can we say thy kingdom come and thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven and can we pull God's glorious future into the inglorious present? You bet we can. This is what Jesus wants us to do. You know how it started for Mother Teresa? Catholic nun from Europe found herself down in Calcutta, India in the slums. People dying on the streets. And as a Catholic nun, she would go into her room multiple times a day and she was up on the second floor with a window, very similar to the picture you see of Daniel the prophet, going to his room to pray every single day. And she goes into her, her prayer room every single day and, and it's just another normal day and she gets down on her knees and says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And as she's praying that, she sees a sick person outside the convent's walls in the, in the ditch. And it was just like every other day. I mean, this, she'd seen this scene a hundred times. But as she's saying, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on the earth. And she sees this person on the earth and it doesn't look like heaven. And so she gets up and she goes to the Monsignor and she said, I'm going to go outside. There was a rule. You can't go outside the convent's walls because there's, there's poverty out there and there's sickness out there and the people trying to steal our stuff. And so here they are praying, but they're stuck inside the walls of the convent. And she says, I'm going outside. And she goes out into the streets and she picks up this person out of the ditch. Gangrenous open sores and, and you can count their ribs because they hadn't eaten in weeks. And, and she swoops down and she lifts up this little broken frame, almost a corpse by this point, and carries this person back into the convent and says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And she gives them a little bowl of soup and a little dry crust of bread. And she pulls for just a second God's glorious future into her inglorious present. And this is what we do. This is what we were made for. We don't turn away the power that God has given us. We don't kowtow to the world. We don't become a doormat. We don't abdicate our responsibility. We go, heck, on the earth as it is in heaven. This is the only little space I have and these are the resources I have. I just got a little cup of soup and a dry crust of bread and this person's got gangrenous sores and I can do something about it right here and right now. On the earth as it is 
in heaven. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you pray with that rope in your hand and you pull whatever you can do to pull God's glorious future into your inglorious present. Let's do it and let's wait for that day when there will be no more tears and no more sorrow and no more mourning and no more suffering because it's coming right now. We stand in the middle and we pray on earth as it is in heaven. Can you say amen? Church, would you stand with me today? If you'd get your communion elements ready. What we're gonna do is we're gonna pray through this Lord's Prayer again, slowly. We're gonna go phrase by phrase and I'll stop you at the end of each phrase and we'll reflect and we'll pray into it. And right in the middle of it, we'll pray, give us this day our daily bread and we'll receive communion. But what I wanna do is start right here. And would you open your hearts and open your hands? And if you know these words by heart, maybe you just close your eyes and pray them from memory. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen. But let's begin by praying the first phrase together, saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Stop. Do you believe? You don't need to respond. Do you believe that he's your Father? Like, do you really believe that you're on his list? <laughs> that he's responsible for you? That, he, that when you come down in the morning, breakfast is going to be there because he's on the job. Do you believe that he is your Father? And do you believe that he's in heaven, that he's powerful, that this is the one who spoke it into being, that he's the one who was and is and is to come and nothing is too difficult for him? Do you believe that? Can you invite him into your areas of doubt? Can you invite him into your fear? And say, our Father who art in heaven, let your name be holy and hallowed in my life. Let's go to the next phrase and let's pray this together. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop. What little realm, what little kingdom has God given you? Will you say my kingdom yours? Will you turn it back over today in subservience to his larger kingdom? Will you say, Lord, I yield all of my strength to you. I yield all of my creativity to you. I yield all of my financial resource to you, Lord. Here it is, it's yours, my kingdom, yours. Who do you need to pray for this week that, that their life does not look like the kingdom come and the will of God being done on the earth as it is in heaven? Will you sign up to intercede for them this week? Will you write their, their name on, on the fridge and just say, Lord, get them every single day. Lord, get them. Lord, change their story. Lord, have your way. Lord, set up your shop. Let your, let your authority be manifest. This is a week of intercession for us. So Lord, hear our cry. Not my kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Let's pray the next phrase. Let's pray it together. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Let's stop there and you can open up your communion elements. Give us this day. Jesus on the night he's betrayed 
took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Would you just break that bread right there in your hand where you are? Just break it in half. Jesus said, I got you. He taught us to pray this at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his earthly life before he was crucified. He said, I'm answering your prayer. (laughs) Give us this day our daily bread and I am the bread of life. (laughs) Feast on me and follow me and serve me and live in my kingdom and you'll have everything you need. So today, friends, Jesus extends the bread and he hands it to you and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. You may receive from Jesus. The communion table sinks right up with this moment because as we've said, give us this day our daily bread. Now, Jesus takes the cup and says, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood. And it's given for the remission of your sins. I'm I'm here to answer your prayer. Forgive us our trespasses, I got you. But also what he's doing is he's giving us the power to forgive those who have trespassed against us. In this moment, it's we are being forgiven and we are receiving the grace to forgive those who have destroyed us, who have wounded us, who have betrayed us, who have hurt us. We don't hold on to it. Somehow Jesus gives us the grace to say, and get them too, Lord. And so today, Jesus gives you the cup and he says, your sins are forgiven. You may receive this cup. And now we'll pray the final prayer together, the final stanza. So join me here. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said... Come on, we're going to worship the Lord together here. The service is not over. We're going to sing. Let's tear the roof off this place in praise of the one who has saved our lives. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare your Shame is
over you today as you go. I pray for every business owner in this place that the kingdom of God would come and the will of God would be done in your life and through your life so that the earth can rejoice. <laughs> pray for every parent in this place. The kingdom of God would come and the will of God would be done in you and through you so that it will come on the earth as it is in heaven through your children. I pray in your neighborhoods the kingdom of God would come. I pray in your offices the kingdom of God would come. I pray everywhere you go, King Supers and Walmart and on the soccer pitch with your children, that the kingdom of God would come on the earth as it is in heaven. Lord, make us your people. Make us the people that say, my kingdom yours. And so Lord today, bless my friends and keep them, make your face to shine upon them, be gracious to them. Lord, lift your countenance upon them and grant them peace, I pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we one more time give the Lord praise for what he's done here today? Beautiful day in the house of the Lord. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If you need prayer, we'd love to agree with you. If you're new, come see us at Connect Central. Jump into these uh, section community parties if that's you. Go from here today in God's grace and peace. Much love.